Hello and welcome to another Comedian's Interview for my blog and podcast, A Rich Comic Life. My name is Richard Gill and my blog describes my experiences of watching over 1,000 comedians over the past 47 years. My guest today is the brilliant comedian, it's Bella Hull. Yeah! <laughs> Hello, how are you? How are you? I'm really well, thank you. Lovely to see you and thank you so much for doing this. It's a total pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> well, uh, the interview is going to last about 45 minutes to an hour. Perfect. And uh, um, we're going to kick off by asking, um, how did you become a comedian in the first place, please? How did I become a comedian in the first place? I think I always was fascinated by comedy. Um, and I was, oh, it's a hard question to answer. It's so kind of broad, <laughs> isn't it? I bet people have such different answers for this. I guess I kind of always was fascinated in how to make people laugh. And it was something that um, I was quite good at at school. I was kind of like a class clown, I guess. And then um, I kind of got more interested in stand-up. I was listening to lots of like podcasts and comedians' podcasts when I was about 14, 15. Um, and then by the time I was 17, I couldn't, I couldn't not do it anymore. I had to start doing stand-up. So that's when I started doing open mics. Um, and I sort of just never stopped. <laughs> and that's the story. Wow. So um, so, you, so, so you obviously had the bug for it. And um, uh, did you start with um, uh, just working in, in, in five, doing like five-minute routines in pubs with inviting friends along? Yeah, well, no, definitely not inviting friends, <laughs> which is quite difficult because a lot of the first the open mic gigs when you're very new, you have to bring someone in their bringer gigs. Right. So in order to perform, you actually have, you have to have a plus one, otherwise there'll be no one at the gig. Right. Um, and I would, because I was so secretive about it, I didn't want anyone to know that I was doing comedy. Oh. I would always <laughs> just say that I had someone bringing along and then I would just lie and say that they were really ill or they couldn't come at the last minute <laughs> or whatever. Um, and I kind of got away with not bringing anyone for about six months um, wow. because it was just such a like, also I was at school, I was in thick form, so I didn't want people to like think that I was full of myself sure. or like, yeah, yeah. funny or whatever. Um, so yeah, I sort of, I was, I was working from five minutes, which when you first start is a very long time to fill. Um, I actually sometimes nice. think shorter sets the harder, the hardest ones to do because you don't have any time to like warm into who you are on stage. Um, yeah, my first gig was at the, I think it's still going, it's at the Rising Star Comedy Club. Um, know it well. The Queen uh, pub in Great Portland Street. Yeah, Queen yeah, Street. yeah. Wow. Um, what sort of, what sort of year on. was this? Sorry? What sort of year was this that you first, did your first gig? I guess this would have been nearly six years ago. So. Uh, when was that? Twenty sixteen. Yeah, twenty sixteen. Wow. About wow, twenty sixteen. Wow. Um, and Pete Nash was still. Is his name Pete Nash? Paul Nash was hosting it. Yeah. And uh, I would go on with it, absolutely like shaking like a leaf, piece of paper, because <laughs> oh. I didn't remember anything. Because I get so nervous, and I just sort of recite my jokes and then run away and run home. <laughs> oh wow. Um. So yeah, that was me for the first. Was it? Six was it a full house the first night? 
I remember thinking there were too many people there. I think it was <laughs> probably that meant that there were about 12 people there. Oh. Um, but to me, that was a lot. And I, I just remember everyone coming off stage and everyone being like, well done. But also thinking she's a child, like, what's she doing here on her own? Kind of thing. Um, I, 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 I had a go at uh, stand-up comedy once. I've, 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 I've watched you all for over 40 years, <laughs> but, I, but, but, but I thought, I've got to get this out of my system. Yeah, yeah, and, of course. And uh, I know um, the well. I knew the um, uh, promoter uh, for the Free Fringe, and mm. he said to me, um, "I said to him, I want to have a go at uh, stand up." And he said, "And he said, well, I've got a gong show for you on a Monday afternoon, uh, and it's and it's full of old people." And, and it, <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, it couldn't be better. So, so, so I did a script and, and he liked it and I walked out and he said, go on, go on. So I walked out and I was terrified as well. And the, f- <laughs> and, and, and the first thing I said to them was, um, there was three people in and, um, uh, um, uh, I said to them, ladies and gentlemen, people think I look like Eddie the Eagle Edwards, the ski jumper, but I can't see the resemblance myself. And one old <laughs> bloke at the back just went, fuck off, got oh, me no. off. <laughs> So terrible, it was like because also i think before you do start up you have this vision of yourself yeah. absolutely storming it and yeah. throwing the roof off yeah and then it's just this like crushing <laughs> blow when you actually do it because you realize that that it was a total fantasy i, th- I um, think though um and 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 i think this runs through a lot of the interviews with the comedians um it seems that obviously the more you do the more experience you get and you become a better comedian, good or yeah. bad gigs. You know, I think I think you have to face the bad gigs to become a better nice. comedian. You agree with yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. And you also have to do a lot of shit gigs to then <laughs> really appreciate yeah. the, the, the lovely gigs that I get to do now. Um, you know, I've, I mean, I think... I don't think I've broken. I mean, I'm I'm kind of a professional comedian about now, but I don't, still don't think I've broken even on all of the like money I spent going to gigs for free kind wow. of thing. Um, <laughs> and you know, sometimes you have to pay. You had to pay to go on stage. There were some gigs where you had to pay a tenner. Yeah, yeah. Um, to go on, I remember one of my most like humbling moments was when I thought I'd been doing. I'd maybe done ten gigs. I was getting quite cocky, and. Um, I, I wanted to enter So You Think You're Funny. Yes. But you couldn't enter it if you were under 18. Right. But um, the woman who was running it said to me, if you can get like a reference from uh, someone that's seen you perform, um, then you can enter. I'll let you enter at 17. And um, so I got this guy to give me a, a reference. And he and the reference said, uh, Bella, did my, Bella did my gig on the, I don't know, 2nd of May or whatever. She was the second best comedian on the night, and there oh. were three comedians. <laughs> well, at least he's being positive. Yeah. <laughs> that was me like, oh. okay. That's <laughs> so brutal. Oh, dear me. Um, did you ever find it difficult at all to break through into comedy? And, and what, I, what I mean by that was, um, did you ever have any difficult experiences at the start performing? Was 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 it difficult to find venues for for to book the gigs, things like that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was quite lucky in that I um, I went to a university where there was a lot of comedy going on, right? And so I could sort of get involved with that, but that was really hard to get into because I was the main. Um, 
hurdle I had was just performance anxiety because I really wanted to do it, but I just couldn't. Like I would just, oh, I'd have these visions of myself <laughs> doing really well and then it would come showtime and I would just crumble wow. um, and I'd be feeling sick and I'd be shaking and sweating and it was so like, why am I doing this to myself? Wow. Um, and that was kind of one of those things where I just had to do it scared for a few months um, and then it, I kind of just got over it and I read a lot of books about performance anxiety and stuff like that and it sort of just, I snapped out of it somehow. Um, well I do done. still get nervous now if I haven't gigged for a few days or whatever um, wow. I will still get a bit you know heartbeaty wow. um, are, you, are you okay with this is this environment okay for you yeah no this is yeah. completely fine yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean I'm, I'm actually remarkably relaxed now I think if anything I should be a bit more anxious um, <laughs> <laughs> it's fine it's fine don't worry about it <laughs> um, but no I used to be I used to be so so anxious wow. to, to get on stage um and that, for me, was definitely the biggest hurdle. And you don't really hear people talking about performance anxiety like no. in the, the kind of podcasting world or anything. Because you, I don't know, you just I gig with so many com- comedians that just it's nothing going on stage and they don't really care. Um, and I'm a bit like that now as well. But um, especially like if you are doing five or six gigs a week, you don't really have time to care. You just sort of have to go on and do your bits. Yeah, and if yeah. You don't like you, then you just have to go over it. But um, yeah, definitely that was the main the main hurdle for me. It's um, it, it's interesting because I I once had to we were we, we were told at uh, college this is years ago uh, that um, uh, we were going to teach somebody something that we that we knew and we had to stand up and show them how to do it and and those questions and everything and I taught the the, the person um, how to do the only card trick I I ever knew. And because I hadn't done it for about five years, when I stood up, I forgot it. <laughs> <laughs> so it turned yeah. it turned into a comedy show. Yeah, <laughs> been there. But totally yeah, it's just <laughs> what's the I old. I mean, I was in. Um, I I hadn't. I've I've been away um, in the Lake District over Easter, so I hadn't done a gig in maybe ten days. And yesterday, I was in Southampton for a gig, and I had to do twenty minutes which is a weird amount of time because at the moment I'm doing a lot of previews, which is like an hour, or I do 10, 15 minutes at Top Secret. Yeah. So it sort of was a weird, and I'd done like 11 minutes and I was looking at my watch thinking, I feel like I've done everything that I planned to do. And then I kind of had to go through and I remembered a few jokes I hadn't told. I had to ask the audience whether or not I told them yet. Aww. It was just like such a set in the end. But I so get what you mean about the kind of. Uh, it's I get so forgetful. Terrifying. Um, I had a I, I other than the blog, the most creative thing I ever did was write a play, and oh, wow. and um, we put it on for comic relief. Uh, it was for the Edinburgh Fringe. It's called the Applicant, and it's basically about me who comes down to London, has never been interviewed for a job, and I've got a successful girlfriend who's got a a, a, a um, successful job. And each scene is me being interviewed by a, a character uh, before I'm sitting in the waiting room, nervy, looking around at the crowd. So I write this monologue to get the story going. And I ran out uh, the first night we did it. And I, I forgot that as well. <laughs> I was like a rabbit in headlights. I was yeah, thinking, yeah. I've written, it is kind I've of written the worst this. This combination, is all... I think. Yeah. You are a bit nervous because it just make you. Your mind just goes blank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you're nervous, that's the time when you need to remember things the most. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's, it, it is fascinating. Um, what do you like to talk about on stage? Well, I talk about all sorts of things. I'm trying to kind of, I guess when I started it was sort of, you take the advice that you're given from, from other comedians that you have to talk about yourself, you talk about things that make you unique and interesting. And mm. I definitely kind of played a lot with that um, for, for a while. I'm trying to branch out more into kind of more, uh, I guess, observational stuff. When I was at university, like there was such, um, people were so judgy about people that did observational comedy <laughs> and it was really looked down upon if you did observational comedy. Wow. Um, which I now think is so stupid because I think observational comedy is so brilliant and yeah. there's something very connective about it. Um, so I'm trying to kind of branch out into that more. But, I mean, my comedy is very just personal, so yeah. it's mainly just about the events that have happened in my life. Um, my kind of show that I'm taking to Fringe is about, it's about a breakup and it's about my family. And, um, I mean, you've seen the preview, so it's kind of, yeah. it's, it's all quite personal stuff um, that I'm mining through, like, little stories and anecdotes and then building bits out of that. Um so yeah, I guess my style is quite self-indulgent, really. I'm I'm not like I, I I don't know. I really admire people that are able to do kind of political stuff, but it's just never been something that I've been very good at. I think I think you've hit the nail on the head, though. The 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 wonderful thing about your act when I when I saw it, uh, I'd always be comedy. I saw a preview of it. Um, you're very unique and you're very warm with the audience, and and they very easily engaged with you which you could therefore say whatever you liked, really, because you you were there to get your points across, but the, but you made them so funny with the um, way that you wrote them. It was it was wonderful, and I, I, I was very, very impressed. I, I, um, oh, thank you. Yeah, I've, I've, um, we've, we've never met, but I'm, but I'm determined to come and see you very soon, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. uh, um, live, live on stage. Um, how do you remember all your routines? Do you have like a notebook or do you write it all on your hand or? Yeah, I definitely have a notebook. Where's my notebook? This is the notebook of doom. Right. Uh, I have moment. What a name. Um, and I just have like all of my stuff written in. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I sort of like color code it. Right. So I'll like highlight the stuff that's extra new. Pink. but this is kind of if I'm That's doing a work in progress yeah. um, I feel like work in progress is you're allowed to sort of lay it out on a stool and it's kind of socially acceptable um, yeah. but a lot of the time I think memory, you, you know a lot more than you think you do um, and all it takes for me to remember like the more you do something as well the easier it becomes to remember um, and, if, and if, I think especially if you've written the bit you sort of are excited about telling people about the bit. And yeah, so yeah. it's kind of more just, sometimes I just forget a, a little detail or a topper or whatever. Um, uh, so yeah, I think most of the time you just enter into the, the rhythm of it and then it kind of becomes autopilot. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And yeah. it sort of just flows along. The thing I find hardest is like segues or if I'm restructuring a big bit, um, I often get to the end of it and I kind of think, do now and that's sort of not ideal and that's when I need my notebook or like my hand yeah 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 fascinating um you won the yellow comedy young comedian of the year in 2019 
and yeah. were placed in uh, and and were placed in the two North Down New Act competition in twenty twenty. Congratulations, that's really <laughs> well done. Um, please, can you describe the experiences and also what your view is of comedy competitions? Do you think they're a good thing? Well, I think. Um... So when I won the Yellow Comedy Award, I had been doing stand-up in... I'd just moved to London and I'd been doing a few months of like open mics and I was very determined at that point. Um, I was doing like three or four open mics a week. Um, and that was really good because I think... Because I was an open mic comedian, having a little accolade like that helped me to get up the kind of hierarchy. Yeah, and I think yeah. when you're an open mic comedian, there's such a big hierarchy of gigs. There's like the kind of real, the bringer gigs, which is the bulk of what you do. And then, you know, you might start getting invited to non-bringer gigs yeah. or even gigs where you get paid a fiver or, you know, stuff like that. And it's quite a slow slog, but like an accolade like that really helped me to kind of um, leapfrog a few of those kind of stages. Sure. Um, so that was, that was a really nice one. Um, and then a year later, I, I did the two knock down competition and that was a total game changer for me because that was what led me to get signed by an agent. Wow. Um, so then uh, from that, I was able to basically, I mean, then, then we had lockdown. So I think I, I placed that in maybe March, 2020 and then I signed with an agent and then it was, I didn't hear from them for six months. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was like definitely a game changer for me. Um, and I think comedy competitions are, a load of bollocks most of the time and <laughs> weird people win and yeah. <laughs> you know I think I think often like judges in comedy competitions especially people that judge a lot of comedy competitions and they're not agents they're not necessarily looking for someone with a lot of mainstream potential as much mm. as they're looking for like the weird person in a weird costume that they've seen not seen and that is completely unique um, so I think in a lot of ways comedy competitions are often quite odd um, environments for yeah, comedy yeah. Um, yeah. and often people that are quite comedians comedians if that makes sense like end up doing really well um, I've talked loads about comedy competitions with like agents and stuff like that yeah. in the past and I think I think that they are in a way comedy is a meritocracy because if you are very good you will ultimately get noticed but at the same time competitions you have to take with a pinch of salt because it's so subjective um, and there are some comedians that are incredibly successful, but if they were to do a comedy competition now, no one knew who they who they were. Yeah. You because know, they're so niche, they they would have failed, kind of thing. You've um, answered you've answered a spin-off question uh, actually, because I was going to say, um, do you think they do get you noticed if you win comedy competitions? Do you get more gigs as a result of them? Yeah, I mean, I think I was. I think agents are. Um, Agents and stuff is, is the main person that you people that you want to get noticed by when mm. you're doing competitions. Mm. If you're not signed, or like that, sometimes there are like industry people, people that that work for TV and stuff that will mm. beat at them. But like, it's never you can never really know who's going to be at them. And so I think it's it's one of those things where it's kind of luck of the draw. I was very lucky in that I kind of there were a lot of agents at that particular evening that yeah. I did where I came third or whatever and that was enough to kind of get the ball rolling um but yeah I think um it's just it's I I know that there have been a lot of competitions where you know big competitions in the final where no one's no agency has, have been there um 
and so it's kind of with agents and stuff I feel like sometimes the agents gonna feel like they discovered you yeah yeah rather yeah. than the other way around it's um, in, it's interesting because the the there are a number of I think different methods that um, scale comedy I think I think another one's a geographical thing um, my home city it was interesting you said the Lake District before my home city's Carlisle um, oh, yeah. and uh, and I, I I go back a lot I absolutely love it but um, yeah. the, the comedy scene there for years was dormant there was hardly anybody there and now they've got two they've got a big theatre and a small smaller comedy music club and they get all the acts in and it's suddenly taken off whereas yeah. when I came down to London you could go every night. Yeah, I, I know it. I know it's the capital city and everything, but it yeah, it's, yeah. it was determined as to where it all Very was, sweet. and I think now it's taken off to such a an an extent comedy that um, mm. uh, um, if you if, yeah. if you can get noticed, obviously it's a it's it's a good thing. Yeah, totally. And I I mean I'm quite like no, I've read a lot of comedy uh, books about comedy in the eighties mm. and stuff mm. and in the nineties mm. and. Um, especially comedy in the UK was uh, much much smaller I mm. think before the kind of indie comedy boom in the mm. I don't know when it was the noughties or a little bit later on um, and I think now I mean it was amazing when I was um, an open micer because I literally if I wanted to could do seven gigs a week and if you're really determined I mean it's a lot of traveling and stuff and you often have to travel an hour and a half just to be able to do five minutes and then you have to stay there for four hours yeah um, and watch everyone else but if you are really determined to get very good it's an amazing place to do stand-up there are so many places available and I think also because of that there are so many people giving comedy a go yeah. which is great but it means that it's very overwhelming because I used to do kind of a lot of open mics where there would be maybe 25 acts right each doing five minutes and which by the way is hell on earth um <laughs> there are about seven different intervals yeah i've um, been there <laughs> yeah and like some of the acts are brilliant and, but then some of the actually just think oh my god um <laughs> <laughs> i've been there as well <laughs> um, but i think it's there are so many more comedians now around um and there are so many people making a living from comedy mm sorts of ways um, and it's it's a really exciting time to do comedy because so many people are interested in it and so many people go to see it um, but there's a kind of flip side to that where I think you can quite easily feel dwarfed yeah. in the scene and it can be you know quite really hard to I think feel unique as a voice or feel like you have anything to contribute to comedy because a lot of people are quite good at writing jokes and so it's quite hard I think sometimes to feel like you've got a USP um, you know, like in Edinburgh this year, I'm, I'm debuting and there are like, I don't know, 80 other debutantes or something. Like, it's ridiculous. Wow. Um, and it's really easy to compare yourself to other people and just be like, oh, God, well, I I don't have a bit about sauce pans, so I'm shit kind of thing, you know, it's sort of, <laughs> which is so stupid, but it kind of, you know, it it's does a, get to you sometimes. It is, it, it, it is an extraordinary um, art form because exactly like you say, you can get overwhelmed by all the other comedians. But when it goes well and there's something unique that you've got to say, it must be the most incredible feeling in the world to get yeah, a laugh yeah, back from an audience. definitely. I think that that's kind of the thing that I find most exciting about comedy is when you do a bit of new material and it really... Mm. 
whatever for whatever reason it really sings and it mm. really kind of works um i love that feeling of just coming up with something and it hitting a chord with people <laughs> um and not knowing that that was something that you could connect with strangers about kind of yeah thing. yeah yeah um yeah, that's yeah. what i really really enjoy about yeah. comedy that's brilliant. I'm, I've, I've regularly been the five-minute friend in a new comedy night, sitting there laughing at all the correct times with the jokes and everything. But uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I absolutely love those free comedy nights, and long may they continue. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, we've touched on this, but I'd like to delve a bit more. Um, do you suffer from any nerves before you go on stage? And if so, how do you cope? I, uh, at the moment, I'm quite good. At the yeah. moment, I'm quite kind of chilled out. I think it so depends on whether or not it's a new environment and the size of the stage. So if it's a really little stage, I'm often completely fine. Or if it's a club, like I do um, top secret comedy quite a lot. Yeah. And um, I never get nervous there because it's just like home turf to me. And even though the people are different, I know the layout of the room. I know the acoustics. I know the staff. Like it's kind of... That the familiarity of that I think prevents me from feeling nervous. That's brilliant. Um, but yeah, if it's a really big stage, or if it's often like I'll go on and not be nervous, and then it won't do very, I won't do very well, and then I'll, the nerves will start to then I'll start to panic and sort of not really know how to salvage the situation. But um, it's such a kind of um, paradoxical thing because I think the less nervous you are, often the better it will go because when an audience can sense that you're nervous, yeah. they stop laughing. And it's not because they don't like you, it's just because they feel nervous for you and yeah. they want it to go well for you. But I think for a gig to go well, the audience have to be really relaxed and eating out of the palm of your hand. Yeah. Um, and to do that, you have to at least act as if you are completely in control. Um, but that's quite a difficult thing to master, I think, and it's definitely taken me a good few years to get there. Is it, is it fair to say that if you do get nervous, once you start talking into the microphone, the nerves go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um, if I'm doing like a 20-minute set off in the first minute, um, I'll, I'll be very aware that I'm swallowing weirdly or I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm, it, I'm saying things too quickly or too slowly. Um, but then once you've kind of developed, you, because also I think in my brain there are loads of different categories of how a gig can go. Yeah. And once I've realised, okay, this is a gig with slightly older people, or this is a gig where they'll laugh at um, stuff about romance, but not stuff about family or vice yeah, versa yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, then I can kind of relax into it. And um, I think the, a big kind of leap that I made was just being able to trust myself enough to go off script. Right. Um, because I used to have just an absolutely military precision set and it was exactly five minutes, no matter where I was performing it. <laughs> and it was just joke, 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 joke. There was no interaction with the audience. There was no kind of, if so, if someone would drop a glass, I would completely ignore it. Wow. Um, <laughs> you know, if someone would come in or leave the room, completely ignore it. I would just, da, 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 da. and I think that that kind of, now I look back and it kind of, I think it is just the mark of someone who has less experience because now if I'm doing a set, um, I trust myself enough if something happens to kind of stop, address it, have a chat, have a laugh over it and yeah. then kind of resume. Go back, yeah, um, it's good, it's good. That's, yeah. that's, that's, a, that's a very good way to look at it because 
you're getting everybody involved and and they're they're letting you in as well so everybody's yeah. having a good time yeah. yeah yeah and i think what's so like special about comedy especially like work in progress gigs mm. and new material gigs is that they are such unique events that will never happen again and you know there's if you're chatting to the audience there might be a I don't know, there might be a person that works at Deloitte and a person that is working for charity and a person that we know. And if you chat to them and then they're all together and you can have these inside jokes with them that are never going to occur ever again in the history of the universe. And I think that it's leaning into the fact that every gig is very special and unique and things are going to happen in that gig that aren't going to happen ever again. Um, that that is something that you shouldn't be afraid of, but we should really kind of encourage. And I think it took me a good few years to kind of realise that it was okay to go off script and I could be funny off script if I just trusted myself kind of thing. That's wonderful. That's a great answer. <laughs> um, let's move on to Edinburgh itself. Um, yeah. I am very fortunate to have my holidays at the Edinburgh, Fest- uh, the Edinburgh Festival Fringe. I go every year. I, my, my first one was 2005. And I've only missed the last two, obviously, because of the pandemic. Um, what was your first Edinburgh Fringe like? Have you been? Uh, yeah. yeah. I've been once. I went for the whole run. Yeah. Um, I went in 2018 uh, with a, a university, like, sketch comedy show. Right. We were in assembly rooms. I think we were in yeah, studio it well, four yeah. or five. Um, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it was very intense. I lost a lot. I got quite skinny because I was walking around for the first yeah. time in my life. Yeah. Um, and that was quite great. <laughs> um, but it was just one of those kind of, it was very emotionally intense, I think. But there's, there's the great thing about it is there's no way that you can leave that festival and be a worse performer. Exactly. Like, there's just no way. And I think also that was another thing that just was a death nail in my performance anxiety because... I was just performing every day and you just it just becomes like a thing that you just are so relaxed about um and yeah I definitely got a lot better and I I think you go through such an emotional roller coaster when you're performing every day for a month the same thing or more or less the same thing because there are moments where you think I am the best at this I'm brilliant <laughs> I'm to be discovered and there are moments where you think I am a disaster I should leave I should quit like I'm an embarrassment and that those two emotions can happen in the span of 24 hours and you're having such you know I'm a very emotional person in general anyway um but it's such a roller coaster and you're around so many similar personalities um, and people that share your dream and yeah. that can feel so amazing but it can also feel absolutely terrible um what's so, what's really interesting about the fringe itself is it's 25 performances if you're doing a full run. And I've been first week, middle week, last week, uh, the last week of it. And I think the middle week's the best time to go because everybody's just warmed up and they're flying. And the last week, I I remember one year I went the last week and half the comedians had lost the voice because they were just exhausted and it was like, oh dear me. that's also such a big skill. I mean, I think a lot of like doing really well in comedy actually isn't about raw talent. It's about whether or not you can yeah, <laughs> not do, drink. Yeah, 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 very much so. It is, it is, it is an extraordinary thing. I mean, um, as soon as, 
I step off the train at Edinburgh Waverley. I've got all my friends are coming up in the week. I've done this extraordinary spreadsheet um, with all the shows and everything. Yeah. I, see, I see about 50 shows and I just yeah. love it. I, I cannot get enough of it. And um, the wonderful thing. And I go to um, other fringes as well. So Brighton, Hastings, Leicester, you know, the, it's all year round now, which is good as well, you know. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's, 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 Brilliant. Um, as I said before, I was very impressed when I saw you at Always Be Comedy online very recently, about March time. Please, can you describe your writing process and where you get your ideas from? Because this was for a preview for your new Edinburgh show. Yes. Wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, my writing process is is mainly just me forcing myself to do it. In like I have to go to a cafe and sit down, buy myself a coffee, and just do it. I try yeah. and I journal quite a lot, and often that like if I have a big coffee and journal loads, often then I'll get an idea for something, and I'll and then that will kind of blend into and then once I'm ex I've got like a top line for a bit, and I'm excited about it. Often then the riffing can kind of start with myself, and then maybe I'll go to a gig and do the first line of it, see if it kind of gels. Yeah. And then I'll kind of talk to the audience about it, build a bit more. And then for me, the key is just being excited about it. If I'm kind of trying to write a bit that I'm not excited about, I find it so hard to write. Um, so yeah, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm excited about the bit, that's, that's where it all comes. But for me, journaling is like absolutely essential to, to my writing process. Um, That's fascinating. Or just kind of having a top line and then just forcing myself to write two A4 pages about yeah. this particular thing and how yeah. I feel about it, and it will be eighty percent boring, and then twenty percent of it I'll think, oh, that okay, that could be a joke. Um, but for me, it's just getting through loads of shit and yeah, then yeah. And writing loads of shit down, and then thinking, oh, okay, there's that bit could be something. Um, so if just, if you're yeah, writing a lot of the quagmire. If if you're writing a full Edinburgh show or a full tour show, mm. is that um, specifically writing for the hour? Do you write an hour's worth of material, or is it fifty minutes, or how do, how yeah, does that so work? Yeah, so I think I think for it to be legally considered an hour show to mm. qualify for all sorts of things, it has to be fifty five minutes to sixty minutes. Right. Um, and I'd like to calculate that in terms of like how many words. So that I think that's like about 7,000 words or something right? Um, with the kind of pace that I say things. So Because that's a lot. That is a yeah, lot. Yeah, it is a lot. And yeah. I think it's, you know, I mean, I've especially given the fact that I, f I spent the first two years of my career trying to perfect five minutes, um, doing an hour is a completely different beast. Yeah, and yeah. also, I mean, I'm a real club comic. I do loads of clubs. That's kind of how I pay my rent. But doing a 20-minute set to a load of drunk people is just a different kettle of fish to writing an Edinburgh show. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I think an Edinburgh audience expects a lot more from you and expects kind of more depth from you. And so I think that it's, for me, that's been a bit of a challenge because I have to prepare a show for a much more <laughs> educated audience yeah, 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 that yeah. kind of want cleverer stuff. Um, and that's had to kind of get my motors spinning a bit. But I think... Yeah, I mean, there, there are so many different stereotypes for an Edinburgh show, and I think that a lot of people can... You can easily go wrong trying too hard to kind of push the 
square peg into the round hole mm, kind of thing mm. and try to just mould your show into what you think the vague shape of an Edinburgh show is or should be. Um, I think that that's definitely like something that I've, in my previews, found myself stumbling on. Um, I, think, just... I think as well, um, because this, this is your debut hour, isn't it? Your, 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 yeah. your debut fringe show. What's what's interesting is because because you'll be doing it every night. It's as though you're doing it the first time. I've I've I'm 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 often fascinated how comedians walk out, and it's like I've never done this before, but I'm going to make yeah. you laugh. It's it's yeah. it's extraordinary, and and yeah, I can and see that in really you. Difficult. And that's why I find new material so much more easy to do because yeah. I'm sort of saying it for the first time. Yeah. And I'm so excited to say it, and I think people can see the excitement in my eyes, but. Um, there's like a multitasking joke in my um, show that I've been doing since 2019, and I hate it. I hate that joke. <laughs> Here we go it's again. Tell it again. <laughs> I don't know why people laugh at it. I absolutely hate telling it, and but I have to get it in. Um, Where's and the... that's really hard to kind of say it in a way that is, you know. Because the light behind my eyes just dies when I start telling that joke. I've said it so many times. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> we would never notice. <laughs> um, where is the show on at Edinburgh this year? It is in Pleasance. It's in Bunker 2. I will be there. I'll make Which a point of coming to see you. If not before, definitely no, I'll be there. It's it's yeah, it's one of my favourite places, the Pleasance Courtyard. Yeah, Pleasance Courtyard at 6.55pm, which I think is quite a good little time yeah sort of perfect evening perfect. middle of the evening um people won't be too drunk but no. i'm hoping that you know they might have had a few pints <laughs> it'll be great and, and and you're doing the full 25 days yes yeah right. full run. well congratulations and all the very Thanks best very with much. that and i will be there so we can meet at last it's lovely yeah right perfect. um okay let's move on um you've written for the bbc radio 4 series news jack well done is writing for radio different to writing a stand-up routine? Is, is the yeah, process different? I find it very, very different. Um, yeah. Because for stand-up, I think I sort of know what my voice is. Um, and so whenever I'm writing it, I'm kind of writing it for me to say it. So I can choose how to deliver it. But I think when you're writing for radio, it has to be very formulaically funny. And um, often a lot of the kind of punchlines that I'm milking I think from my shows is just the way that I say something or the kind of way that I shrug when I say something or my face and I think <laughs> you can't really do that with radio it has to actually be funny on the paper yeah um and so I think that's kind of quite difficult and I've and I found that quite difficult in the past um and also like I'm just I'm not that clued up in the news so kind of when I was writing for Newsjack I was really having to like study stuff really hard yeah, and yeah, you know yeah. to be able to make jokes or something you have to really understand it so I find that quite difficult um but certainly it's a lot more formulaic and kind of scientific as a process um it's also quite tough I mean it's a bit of a competition writing for news jack because sure. you can give in 10 jokes and they might not like any of them and that's a whole day's work wasted kind of thing so um, how did, how did you how did you get the deal? Did you just write it? Did 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 they ask for writers and you and you wrote in? Yeah, so yeah? it was like one of those. This was actually when I was a teenager. It was like a kind of submission process. Right. So they just got the public to submit loads of jokes, and I think they pay you 
a bit a tiny bit of money if they if you get like a one liner on or whatever and I only got a couple of one liners on but it was a big proud moment for me that I was like wow I can maybe I'm good at writing jokes kind of thing um that was a kind of big confidence boost at me back at the back in the day because I kind of hadn't really started doing proper stand-up at that point um yeah it's it's very different though and I I think I much prefer prefer just writing jokes for me to say kind of thing yeah yeah I I go to a lot of radio recordings and TV recordings as well as comedy nights. And one that particularly comes to mind, I once went to um, The Now Show, a recording oh, of The yeah. Now Show, and the guest was John Culshaw. And okay. um, at, the end, uh, at the start of The Now Show, they give you a little piece of paper with a question on and you have to give them a daft answer. And mine was, um, what's the most stupid thing that happened to you at school and I said I once fell asleep in the sixth form and somebody tipexed my glasses and when I woke up I thought I'd died <laughs> and, uh, and John Culshaw read this out in the form of Alan Bennett <laughs> actually got on the radio oh, so I thought I've written something for radio this is great but it's it... that's so good <laughs> but it's thank you very much but it it's um it's wonderful that, 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 that you're submitting to Newsjack because it, it is a defining comedy show, a, a, a Radio for, for flagship show, isn't it? So, um, you know, yeah, definitely. Well, and I think it's a real well achievement for um, a, a young kind of comic that's just starting. It definitely make, is quite validating, I think, to get onto a show like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well done, you. Um, do you have any other ambitions as a comedian? So would you like a quiz show? Would you like to play the O2, something like that? These are obviously yes. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yes is the answer, is the short answer. It's not a I very good question. I guess I think for me, I'm just kind of, my main goal is just, I want to do Edinburgh, I want to do it this year, I want to do it next year, and I want to be mentally in a place where I can enjoy it and get out of it in one piece kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I really like going around the UK, so I think at some point I'd love to kind of, if my show does well, Tour. take it on a mini little tour um, to tiny venues around the UK. That would be really fun. Take um, it to Carlisle, I'd love you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Um, yeah. yeah, but I think it's just to kind of keep going and see where it goes um, and get more experience and write more. And I think, you know, it's so exciting when you kind of have a whole hour to fill because you don't know what it's going to be by the end. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's, 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 that's amazing. Amazing. that's great. Um, who are your favourite comedians, past and present? Um, part in the past, my favourite comedians have been Paul Foote. Brilliant. Great Love answer. Yeah. Uh, that was, he was my favourite when I was like 16, 17. Wow. Um, I'm a long-term fan of Maria Bamford. Yeah. Long-term fan of Mike Babiglia, yeah. um, John Mulaney, I love Ali Wong, um, I don't know if you know Taylor Tomlinson. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Um, who else do I love? I love also like Kat Cohen, Kate Ballant, Jacqueline Novak, that whole kind of group of people. Sure, yes, um, yeah. Yeah, kind of, um, that kind of American, like alternative scene. I think yeah, really yeah, yeah. Exciting. Um, yeah, and then kind of, I don't know, there, I mean, the, the great thing about being a comedian is that you often, like, become friends with people that you've really admired for a really long time. So yeah. um, I'm quite good friends now with Paul Chowdhury, who I was 
a very long term fan of. Um, and now, you know, we get McDonald's together. So it's so brilliant. <laughs> that kind of, if, if the 18-year-old me could know that. That's fantastic. Um, but yeah, I, I, I kind of am a fan of everyone, to be honest. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there, there are very few people that I think have absolutely no value as performers. You know, I'm kind of, I think it's just so great, the, the industry that I'm in and how varied it is. Brilliant. And and following on from that, like me, do you go to a lot of comedy gigs as a member of the audience? Or have you I before do, you were yeah. a comedian? You do, yeah? I do. I actually probably go to more than most comedians do. That's um, great. I'm going to the Bill Murray tonight, actually, just to kind of watch. Right. I I love, especially, I think, the, the main places that I go are like Soho Theatre, Leicester Square Theatre, big kind of places where someone's doing a big show. Yeah. yeah. Um, those are kind of my my favorite ones to go to i love kind of seeing someone i saw michael mcintyre the other week amazing um, yeah five pounds at the same yeah. theater yeah um it's just moments like that that i love to kind of watch uber successful uber famous people like live i think yeah. it's really fascinating to see them um because often they're very different live or they're the same live or it's 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 just fascinating either way i think to watch someone in the flesh very much so oh, yeah yeah. yeah, I I once uh, uh, for, I first saw Peter Kay in a club in Manchester on a bill of five comedians, yeah. and he was well before he was famous, and he was fourth on the bill, and I laughed so hard that I missed the fifth act. <laughs> 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 and the fifth act was um, Dave Gorman, who I I actually admitted, and he went, oh, oh I wasn't really? very good that night. <laughs> oh wow. Oh, that's so, yeah, but it's so interesting, isn't it? And I think it's yeah. so interesting seeing, like, really successful comedians doing bits that don't really work. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. You know, seeing how they kind of control their audience, yeah. I think is quite difficult when you get super successful to kind of actually know whether your new material is good or bad because your audience will just laugh regardless. Very much um, so, yeah, yeah. What so, What yeah. is interesting about my blog um, is uh, I love to see comedians develop. So I list every single show that I've seen. And um, I was talking to Harry Hill a month ago. He hasn't been on here yet. I'd, I'd love to interview him, but, uh, but I know him when I see him at the Comedy Nights. And I was chatting to him and I said, um, 30 years ago, I first saw you at downstairs at the King's Head in Crouch End. And you brushed past me. You were late for the show. You climbed up onto the stage and you said, ladies and gentlemen, I'm really sorry I'm late for the show. I had to have a testicle brought down and paused and then he, everybody laughed and he said, from Derby. <laughs> and I said, I said to him, I said, to this day, that's my favourite opening line after 30 years ago. And he went, oh yeah, I still do it regularly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's fascinating that um, there's so much um, joy to get from a, from a specific comedy gig. You know, you remember things. It's, there's so many memories in it. It's 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 wonderful. Um, yeah. How have you found online gigs as opposed to stand to uh, live stand up? Um, and what do you think the future is for comedy? Have you done many online gigs? I've done a handful. I've definitely done fewer than other people. Um, but I did a few. I did maybe five or six during yeah. the various lockdowns that we've had. Um, my experience of them is broadly very positive. I think that they're great, and I actually kind of. Because a lot of the time I resent the travel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> being on it, I mean, there was a gig the other day that got cancelled, and I was so relieved because it was like 
you had to get a two-hour train and then a one-hour bus. Oh, God. Um, gig, and it's just, I would take a Zoom gig over that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Any yeah. day. Um, and it's also actually a very ama- a great place to kind of do a new thing because you can have your document up and actually deliver it how you want to deliver it sure. instead of delivering it in this kind of botched, half-remembered way. Yeah. Um, so I think that they're incredibly valuable. Um I've done some Zoom gigs that feel more just like you're monologuing at the audience. And then I've done Zoom gigs where there's a proper rapport and people are actually laughing. And to be honest, I think obviously the latter is preferable, but either is is great and quite useful. Um, I think Zoom gigs were an amazing thing during the lockdown. And I was a big fan of um, Catherine Bohart and oh, Helen yeah. Bowers one. Yeah. That was, Giglis is, is just amazing. Yeah. Um, they they they're two very special comics that are in their own right, but together it worked a dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just absolutely loved that, yeah. and I was a big, big fan of that, and it made me feel much less alone. Um, That's brilliant. So in the kind of lockdown, so yeah, that was that was great. Um, I know I'm not sure what the future for online gigs is. I mean, I I kind of hope they don't completely disappear because. As I said, we, we I did the online one for ABC a couple of weeks ago, and yeah. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I do think that they're a lovely little setup, for, especially for people that can't get to gigs or live far away or mm, you know whatever yeah. to see to have yeah. that kind of live experience mm. bottled. Mm. Um, I think is quite special. I to- um, I totally agree with you. Um, when uh, uh, lockdown started, um, if I if I hadn't had the online comedy, I don't know what I'd have done, but um, yeah. When they when they first started it, there was no audio on them, so I would dial in. I would I would I would I would dial into it, and um, uh, I would be sitting here laughing at four walls, and and I thought I was going to get taken away. <laughs> <laughs> but then uh, they opened up the audio, and you could see the comedians could get the beat of the jokes, and they could chat to the audience and all the rest of it. Yeah, and uh, yeah. it, and when it's done well, I used to go to I used to go to always be comedy. I still do. Um, uh, Jarlath Regan's one was very good. The the Irishman abroad one was good. Mm-hmm. The Happy Mondays one was very good. When they were done well, they were done. They they, they were really good. But yeah, but yeah. for me, you can't beat the live experience because yeah, you're in the moment. I think and and as you said before, you never know what you what's going to happen, and that's the magic of it. I, I love to have a few drinks before I go out on a Saturday night and then go and yeah. just sit down and laugh like a drain. So you, yeah, you exactly. cannot beat it. Yeah, yeah. This has been absolutely wonderful. You've been a fantastic guest. It's been oh, joyous so to much. talk to you. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say uh, before we go? Um, what's your social media? Where can people find you? Um, I am at to... Bella Bella Hull on, yeah. on everything, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, yeah. everything. Everything, um, brilliant. Uh, have you got any podcasts, anything like that? I do have a podcast coming out in the next few months right. uh, with Jacob Hawley. Oh, yeah. superb. He's been, he's been on here. What a legend yeah. that man is. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's amazing. So, yeah, he's yeah, very funny. that in the next few months. Oh, look out for out. that. By the time this comes out, that will be out hopefully. So brilliant, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, as I say, I'm definitely coming to see you, definitely in Edinburgh, if not before. I'm going to do my very best to see you, to try and see you in London as well, because I think you're a major talent. I was well impressed oh, thank you so much. with um, uh, just the one show that I saw. 
Um, thank you so much for being my guest today. It's been wonderful. And all thanks the very best me. to you. Perfect. Thanks very much. No problem at all. Thank you.